in 3D, how we make it is very similar to the live action camera. But like we have the virtual set tank that is completely free. And then like there's no weather, there's no people walking around in the set, there's no logistic, it's awesome. You're listening to the VFX process, where we talk to the industry's most talented artists, including film, TV, and game. From concept artists to previous 3D animators and visual effects artists, we take a deep dive into a personal project of theirs and take a look at the work that went into them, as well as show an insight into the mind, workflow, and career of each artist. For any visuals discussed in this episode, we have provided a link to images and videos should you need a bit more context. The VFX process, getting intimate with your industry. Brought to you by Big Two Studios. If you enjoy this show and haven't already, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out a lot. In today's episode, Jamie speaks with Kao Long, a remarkable animator hailing from Hong Kong who ventured to Paris to study fine arts, but was inspired to switch to animation after volunteering at the Annecy Animation Festival. Not only did Kao graduate with flying colors, but she also clinched the prestigious student Oscar with her enchanting short film, Louis Shoes. We dive deep into the creative mind of Kayu as she unveils the process behind her latest animated masterpiece, Mayo's Mango Cult, a story of a dark Chinese history specifically crafted for TED Talk's TED Ed series. Kayu speaks passionately about animation and cinema and has some great advice for anybody wanting to get into the industry. So stick around, this is going to be a good one. Hey Kayu, your backdrop looks awesome. Ah! It's like a little, <laughs> it's very chaotic. I'm sitting on two cushions so that I don't make myself taller because I'm like really tiny. Other would be like this. Hey. <laughs> In the lower thirds. But like your backdrop is awesome too. So many toys. It's super lots fun. Lots of toys, lots of Spider-Mans. Have you seen the new Spider-Man Not movie? yet. I really have to watch it. And the thing is like, um, I already want to have like a remote control to stop every frame. Every frame, so it's yeah. Really it's really annoying. And so I just like, yeah, I really need to watch it. If we can get a brief introduction about yourself. Absolutely. I'm Kaiyu Lang, and uh, I originally from Hong Kong. After A-level in Hong Kong, I just backpack and then I travel a bit, like a gap year. And then at a time, like some friends already studying in Europe, tell me like in Europe, you know, like the university, you can just try to go in. And then I was like, yeah, you know what? I just gonna go. So at the beginning, I arrived in Paris. So I, I was accepted in uh, Sorbonne for like fine arts. So basically it's like uh, art philosophy and art history. But the first year, I kind of feel like I don't really see myself in it for a long time. And uh, I know I always want to do cinema. So like I just go to went to volunteer in uh, ANSI festival, it's so, an animation festival. And I was like, okay, I think that's what I want to do now. Like, it's just so cool to see, like, so many people doing, making films in, like, a million ways. In live action, I, I don't see myself, I can actually do it with all the physical constraints and the weather and logistic. And then I met a lot of filmmakers, and then the way they approach their work and their craft, how they progress and everything, and then they articulate a lot of stuff that I always feel like I want to say, and somehow they help me to say it. Like, they, they don't just, like, spit... Uh, to me, but they speak for me, and uh, so I was like, you know what, I gonna, I gonna, I gonna try to do animation. So I get into Superfocum R. So it's in, uh, it's now it's called Egon Moba. It's like three D school, and uh, I studied there for, I starting from like third year right away, and then uh, I finished the master. I make uh, the graduation film Louis Shoes, 
And then uh, I graduated during COVID. And then like I've been working now as a freelance director and also a lighting and compositing artist in studio for like two years, two, three years. And then here we are. We're going to talk about the Mango Cult yes. project, of course, but I'd love to talk a little bit about Louis' shoes. Yeah, absolutely. Because I absolutely love it. Ah, thank you. Was it just a small team? Yeah, so it's a really small team. Because like in our graduation film, normally there's like six people and, you know, like uh, we group together. But like us, we are like four people. And then so I love it because each of us like have a very specific thing we want to concentrate. For example, I, I want to do storyboarding and like the um, concept of it and also the lighting, compositing like the end of it. So I'm the the beginning and the end. And then like some people specifically want to do like rigging and animation. Some people do um, character design. So we really, I, I feel like we can move like a raptor, you know, instead of yeah. like a T-Rex and then like, a, you know, you, you move very slow. Okay, you have a big jar, but very slow. But for us, we are really light on our feet. We know exactly what we got to do. And then we complement each other really well. How long did that project take to do? It was crazy. Like, uh... I think it's like eight months. It's like one semester. That was uh, pretty crazy because like in the middle of it, it was just like this COVID. And then oh, so man. we just pack everything. And then the good thing is we li all live in a sm uh, southern small town in France. So in France, so like even though it's locked down, but we live really close. So we just like stay to each other or something like that. We only have each other at a time. So in a way it's concentrated. Like, and then it makes you feel grateful to do animation because like imagine it's live action is crazy. That's uh, crazy to experience such like, you know, working on a project and then COVID happens. Um, so there's four people on that project because it's such a great finished product and like the behind the, behind the scenes, the style. Can you just talk about how you kind of all together as a four yeah. came up with, with kind of everything really from yeah. story to style? To, to finish i'd love to hear about that yeah so actually at the very beginning we kind of try to lock down the theme of the movie so if we were four people we specifically in different stuff but whenever we have like any kind of problem artistically or technically where we need to cut time or save stuff save money shot or something like that we always go back to the theme because it's a perspective of a kid like we have a lot of characters in the movie but like we only show like like not the face at all because He's like a little kid who don't want to look at people's face. So like that actually just one, uh, we, we look for some keywords, the story that we want to convey. And then most of the, the time, um, all the decision you can like directly answer by those keywords. Like the, the kid don't look at people's face so we can save all the time for all the hair and everything. Yeah. And efficiency. Efficiency, yeah. I mean, that is a good thing about animation too. Like when I when I make it, I just think about like how to save stuff, how to, the logistic part, you Absolutely. know, how to cheat. The whole story is because we we did like interview to like a lot of autistic child and then people their own experience the little anecdote and then we just chain them together and then put that like in one day of this kid like the background and all this the setup and everything it is like just to tell one anecdote no matter what decision you always respect the story so like for example my personal work Probably the style is very different from this film because I always do black and white, you know, like 2D, 3D mix. But we definitely know this render is the perfect for this story about a kid. He see the world like this. It's like a tiny little stuff. And then, you know, it's like a, like a dollhouse because it's about like social life and social interaction. So it's like a social theater. You know, all the behind the scenes stuff where you've got like all the assets and the props kind of laid out 
on like a like a cutting board as if it's made as like a stop motion like theater yeah yeah physical physical yeah. pieces yeah yeah that's a great thing in 3d like you can always when i work i always like you know i make the set and everything and then there's one moment maybe three in the morning you're tired and then i just zoom out zoom out zoom out zoom out zoom out and i just see it i was like ah, ah it's mine you know when did you land in the 3d world it is really weird because like most of the people around me, they always say that like, oh, ever since I was a kid, I love 3D animation or like I love animation, that kind of stuff. And then for me, because at the beginning, I just study like like um, like philosophy and art history. So I completely, I don't even have my own computer, to be quite honest at the time. I met some people who make some animation. And then like, I didn't never, I never even asked if that is 2D or what genre of it or what software, because I won't even know. And then I, I get to know a little bit more in 3D. And uh, I personally, I'm very inspired by in the live action camera and also the lighting in 3D, how we make it is very similar to the live action camera, except like, but like we have the virtual setting that is completely like free. And then like, there's no weather, there's no people walking around in the set. There's no logistic, it's awesome. <laughs> And yeah. then uh, I was like, wow, you cannot beat this kind of liberty, right? Yeah. And then... It's like full control of whatever full you want to do. Full control, yeah. And oh, then, yeah. Uh, of course, there's also like a, a witness of it. Like you, in, like you have to eventually make the logistic out of it. I always want to reproduce it. Or like uh, when I... Yeah, I, I always inspired by a lot of those classical movies. Like those like awesome Wells Billy Wilders, like the composition they made and the, the, the light and then how they carve off the scene and everything. And then this is like very close to 3D animation. And that's why immediately I just start with um, 3D. And then of course, during the time and my friend was like, I didn't know that you, you like Pixar. Or like, I didn't know that you like, I don't know, uh, Illumination or Minion or something. And I was like, mm, yeah, I like them. But like, uh, but actually there's so much more thing that you can do. And I think just like we talk about Spider-Verse and I think I arrived in animation scene in a really great time where we stop asking about if that is 2D or if it is 3D, you can just merge everything. Or in the middle, you can add a stop motion. Who cares? As long as you can tell the story. Definitely at the beginning is really scary because there's a lot of like, you know, the rigging, you re mapping, all the little stuff. There's a lot of, yeah, technical things. Yeah. It's, it's kind of overwhelming at times, yeah. isn't it? Where you, especially, you know, in the 3D software, you, where, where it's, it's button clicking and knowing where things are and there's a process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of thinks you know do i need to know all of this these steps so it can be quite scary to to think you need to take it all in but realize you don't need to know everything yeah you just need to know what you need to know yeah to get the results that you need yeah to make the most out of it like i my favorite thing about animation too is the fact that we you think like an artist you want to create something beautiful but in reality you work like a soldier you are in a military time. Like, I feel like, uh, for example, before I, because I study in fine arts, so I can see like when you do the painting, illustration is somehow like something more romantic. And it's like you, you, you summoned a kind of inner goddess and then you just draw with inspiration. And uh, in 3D too, like in animation too, you you have like the, the inspiration, you try to make it something beautiful and artistic. And then, but your inner goddess is like, you know, full gear, you know, like you have to know this, everything. And then it's like, go, 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 go. And then you're fighting one frame at a time. Or like you, you oh, what you just draw is really beautiful. But can you do it like a 10,000 times? And then, okay, you cannot. So like you have to find a way. 
and then uh, and 3D it's just like you know it's like it's like video game in a way and as long as you overcome it and then like you found a joy in it and then you know like especially coming from a fine art background when we were talking about um Spider-Man I mean and and just you know crossing over styles and it's some 2D that stop motiony feel the CG the realistic feeling of this it's kind of a merge merging all these styles together and there's no real rule to to each frame and like you say it, it just it's there to serve the story yeah 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 and um, what a great example yeah, to, to show like pause the frame and just see all the different elements come together oh, yeah absolutely and also i think um not only i mean like i like when a filmmaker who is manipulative uh, for example, like in films, like animation or like something like Spider Verse, they have crazy different kind of stuff. Or like, uh, and but they, you can tell like the filmmaker found a visual grammar, like there's a logic in it, and everything works with the theme or with what they want to say, and then uh, everything is calculated. And then like mm -hmm. I, I like when you watch a really good film, it's the same thing. And then when you, yeah, like animation or no matter what, uh, short film, long feature. And uh, I love to watch like when a director know what they're doing and then manipulate you. Like I, I suck it in and like exactly. just like you know like like just like control me. Like tell me about when to feel it or something like that. It's really That's great. It. Yeah. I mean the the behind the scenes on Spider Verse uh, is is as interesting as watching you know a journey in itself. Just sort of understanding what the director and the team were sort of creating. You know where they want the audience to feel a certain way and like the color choices and then the framing like there's the, the so much detail and calculated like purpose for every decision but at the same time it looks so crazy like a mismatch of everything but it's so controlled at the same time yeah just like a perfect beautiful manipulation of cinema it's great you know getting into the 3d world that was kind of your in where did you sort of explore and end up in the the 2d world and do you prefer the 2D world? Uh, hey. or... <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, both, I love it. Like, uh, again, I just feel like... Um, I, I think first it's because I have the training of, like, uh, not knowing 3D at all. And then I have to learn 3D technical stuff, but also in French. Like, I remember that the very beginning is, like, I, I go back home and I just cry. Like, I just, like, I don't know why I do it. It is so stupid. Can you just, like, you should do just writing. You you wanted to do journalists. Why you want to do that, you know? Like, you learn piano with only one with one hand behind your back. You bound it, and then, then you learn it. So you already passed the most difficult part. And then, so every time when I went to different studio with different software, different render, at the beginning, probably it's a little bit hard. But I always remind myself like how I learned 3D at the very beginning is not that scary. And then so yeah. you just like become more and more flexible. In school, we already have to make films on our, our own. I very fortunately, I got selected in festival. So immediately I see like different kind of render or 3D or experimental part of it. And then later, actually, when I work in uh, Selim Animation or like other animation studio in, in Paris, it's like, it's 3D render, but like the render is definitely, the outcome is definitely very 2D of a flat. I was doing Maya what that, in that, and then like they used the rim, the rim light is actually created by like a sheen shader. So that whenever it turns, like there's always like that. 
and uh, they do the lighting, but like uh, in the production, like in the Maya scene, is completely bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. But after when you do, there's a logic in it, and then like, when you do the compositing, oh, that's the look that you want to do, which is something that I always love to do. I, I just see people already in the industry already breaking different kind of rules to create a new pipeline to have a new kind of a new set of render a look in animation and then so for 2d now it's actually it's like a really pure by chance the studio is really great it's called bobby peels in paris and then they have been making a lot of stuff animation that i love i just feel like i should come out from the 2d closet because like i do so many crazy stuff in 3d but actually i really like 2d too so why not just like actually finally see how 2d people do it so this project is blood dragon make remix uh, captain laser hack you work very close with the team with the director and then people who work in 2d studio they are like a monstrous draftman like they the way they draw is crazy the compositing I do is definitely very different from 3D, but actually, again, there's a lot of things that's very common. The sensibility about the painting, the lighting, and then the integration of image. I just think like I learned so much stuff that I can push back to 3D or like the 3D stuff that I can push back to, to 2D. And then the thing is, I feel like after I did 3D, I actually draw way much better than I was before because in 3D, you you know the volume, you know the importance of perspective, you know how to look at stuff to create it. And yeah, I just think that two things is just merged to each other. Out of interest, do you or have you ever used Blender? Yes, yes. Because that's got a really nice grease pencil, the 2D, oh my God. the 3D. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And what what's your sort of thoughts and feelings on, on Blender and how do you use it in your process? What? Blender, I'm like really, really early, like getting into it because like uh, in Mango Cult, I definitely use more Blender and, um, you know, like modeling, um, you know, sculpting kind of process of it. But I haven't like go through the whole workflow for that. And then I'm exploring like Grizzly Pencil. I think Blender is like definitely um, something I want to do more. And then I try a little bit, but I'm still have to, you know, it's like a video game. I'm still like uh, trying to like uh, draw more better or like how to masterize the, 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 the software better. Every time I do a project, I kind of have a little goal. And then the next goal for me is I got to do everything in Blender just to see if I can do the stuff that I'm doing, but in only one software. Yeah, yeah because I mean, the viewport, you've probably see that you know, like EV and like that sort of really nice, you know, what you output is very close, you know, and you can composite in Blender and you can manipulate and like add all sorts of sort of effects. So we've got a, one of our previous episodes, a concept artist from EA Games, uh, Criterion, and he loves Blender. Uh, his name's James Lewis Find. That's a really great episode to sort of show his workflow. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, I really like the episode with uh, Will Anderson. Because I really like this guy. Oh, he is an absolute legend, Will Anderson. Absolutely. Ah, first, I love his yeah. work. And then the thing is how he talked about, at the beginning, he do 2D. And then, like, at first, he's a great storyteller. So right away, as long as you're a great storyteller, nobody give a shit about the tools. And then, so, like, then he then he talk about, like, the, like the blender. And then he... <laughs> I just love how I explore it and then I just I can't wait to see more of the stuff that he's gonna do later and then it's really really great yeah he's he's just really open and honest like yeah. you know I don't want to animate you know and I can't model yeah. so the way he sort of decides to use like geometry nodes and ways to kind of do the animation for him almost puppeteering the characters in the computer 
And that actually is a perfect segue into, can you tell us how your, your mother explains to people what you do for a living? Yeah. <laughs> can you let the viewers know how she describes your yeah, craft? Yeah, so basically I kind of, I, I, my mom had no idea about what I'm doing. I just like work in the computer. And so I just tell her like, you know, like uh, in studio, I work in like lighting compositing, right? So like uh, it's a uh, 3D and then so like you make a puppet you put the stick in the puppet and then you move it. And then my job is to like film it and then to make it as clear as possible. And then my mom was like, so it's like, so you're making puppet show for a living. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly. And you know what? I'm not even the one <laughs> who animated. I'm just like, you know, filming the puppet. And, was, and then she was like, like, she was just like, wow, I can't, like, the world changed a lot. I can't believe people make a living out of it. Because like, the, and also when you're a kid or something, you watch Pixar or like those, like you, for example, in 2D animation, you kind of know like, oh, people drawing frame by frame, you know, but like in, in 3D, it looks for outsider. It looks so abstract. You just have no idea how people make those image. And then so my mom was just didn't realize like, oh, okay. So like, that's what you're doing is like a, is a puppet show. But like, and now people don't do puppet puppet, but like they put it in a computer and I was like, exactly. That's what I do. And she, that's a great, great understanding of what Yeah, which do. is true. Like, it's just like a, yeah. You briefly touched on Captain Laserhawk. Can you tell us anything about the project without giving away? We don't want to break any yeah, for sure. NDAs or anything. The show is from uh, 80s uh, video game. And then it's like, it's from Ubisoft. It's actually an entity from Ubisoft and also a Netflix show. And then uh, it's completely 2D. And like, it, actually at the very beginning, why it attracted me on the show is the fact that like, it reminds me a lot like those like old Kung Fu Hong Kong movies. Like it's also self-aware. It is like an action show. And uh, it is very different from what I do. So many things that I didn't know in animation that it's supposed to know, but like to make the frame very, very short and then to mm. create an action that is like, it feels very long. And then it's just like some kind of like animation magic that I actually experience in this 2D show. And also like there's a, a lot of code that is from like a old Asian Japanese animation because like it's the, that era. So very limited animation, but also uh, very effectively telling a story decoration the lighting everything is really really amazing and then like it's a great reinterpretation of a game that a lot of people love before yeah i i'm really happy to work on this this, this show is really really great brilliant when, when's that coming out on netflix uh not really sure um i think it's like the end of the, the year what's your role on that project i'm a compositing artist i i didn't know I don't know why I didn't know. It's like, you know, like a lot of lighting or like, uh, you know, the camera movement and then the sensibility on the painting part is like all in 2D. It's like all on the compositing artist. So like you got all the amazing animation and the frame and everything. And then you get it and then you just like try to enhance it and not break it. And then like very raw integration of like the, the lighting of it, how it interact with the background and also the character. Because in 3D, like your lighting is already locked. Everything is locked. The camera is locked. And then like a lot of time in like compositing in 3D is like you make the image as correct as possible. But in 2D, you have so much more tours or, or, or liberty. So when I watch it and like, uh, yeah, it's really, really powerful. 
Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll definitely be looking out for that. So I guess we can um, move on to the 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 male mango cult project, which is the main one that we were talking about. You know, a great hybrid of three D, two D. Can you tell us about how that came about originally? Actually, it's from uh, Studio um, Tech Talk because they have like um, you know animation studio on their own, and then they have like a lot of really really great shots. And uh, at the beginning, actually, I knew them like when I was a student because um, I knew them from Festival actually. And then I just present myself, my work, and then they're always looking for artists. And then, so when I was in school, I was already working for them. And then I think they're really great for young artists who try to have like a playground, a sandbox to see what you can do. This one is like after some studio work. And I just feel like, and also what happened to Hong Kong during like 2019, the protests. And I always feel like I want to talk about something. And somehow they contact me to say that like, hey, we have like a piece of like a Chinese history. Do you want to like, you know, try it out to see if you want to can do something? And I was like, really? Absolutely, for sure. So when you get the green light to go ahead, let's talk about the process from pretty much like a timeline of development to, to finish will be great too. So the whole process is pretty short and sweet. It's like a three, four months with the retake and everything. There's already a script and then like, you know, there's some from refinement with it. When I see the gist of it and I immediately do the research. At the very beginning, I already inspired by a lot of like, um, you know, like a newspaper photo or historic photo at the time. So a lot of like, you know, relatively shocking, shocking like image is naturally not exactly only from me. It's actually like a real historic photo. And then I just like make it more aesthetically <laughs> pleasing or horrifying. Okay, I want to do something that inspired from those like propaganda poster at the time. So there's a lot of like paper texture and it's like harsh light, you know, like those because like they are like at the printing, uh, those kind of old and um, communist uh, um, uh, poster is all that kind of printing. Yeah. So it's like harsh light, uh, white, black and red. It's very visually striking. The whole story is how people can behave extremely in an extreme environment. Eventually, they don't even know who they are anymore. So, like, you can definitely go to a route that is, like, very puppetry. Like, they, you don't need to have, like, a protagonist with, like, crazy design or, like, you know, very burlesque uh, animation. You can make them, everybody look almost, like, the same. And then you popularize it. And then, and then so immediately, I can't know what kind of animation I'm going to do. When you know what is the animation that you're going to do, you can't know what kind of cheating you can do. So like, what kind of thing that you can like uh, repeat it and duplicate it? Like you can just rig like two person and then, uh, and, and then you just like, you know, like mix them all together. And then like I storyboard it and also lay out it at the same time. Then I know exactly how many scenes I'm gonna do. So like, I just look for all the free assets and then, uh, or like video, like, or like a map projecting it. And then like in, in what scene, and then I, and I, I love to do that kind of like, you know, the, the planning, like I have a whole chart and like which scene that I already, I got the free stuff and I put it into a different category. Actually, a lot of animation is from Misamu. And then... Uh, yeah, we love that. We love that. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's amazing. I just like do that, do that, grab that. And then I reanimated and reanimated a little bit and I changed it. Uh, the, like the, the, the face, the head, head, I always like do like, a, you know, like a blend shape. I always more pay attention on the framing and also composition instead of just animation by themselves. For example, like I always found like it's more funny to see what a character um, in a certain situation and how they frame it. 
is the real joke instead of just a character doing funny things. If I cannot make it animating in that way, then at least I can do the camera in that way. And then, uh, so yeah. And like from the studio or from my graduation film back in school, it's like I choose the master short, of course, to see. I, I try to experiment the visual style, like from head to finish, like as much as possible in those like maybe four master short. And then I already have the pipeline of it. And then the rest of the shot, yeah, you just like go like that. Even though there's a lot of variation or whatsoever, but at least you have the base lockdown. So you're very organized, like pr production coordination, uh, planning. It's very important, of course, especially to get a project across the line and, and hit the deadline. Can I ask software? What what software are we talking for certain parts of this? For example, well, like Storyboard is Storyboard Pro. And then like uh, later it's like Maya. I don't know, render with the a lot of blender. But blender I just do a lot of like readjustment of the object and modeling, you know, a little bit texturing and scrubbing. Because it's like a black and white 2D thing. So a lot of the you know the the, the texture is just, you know, unwrap, you really put it on Photoshop it and then and like some um some substance painter. And then like the compositing part is all after effects. Are you possibly inspired by Wes Anderson. I just feel there's moments that feel like, you know, yeah, it's very artsy. It's very, um, there's moments of like Isle of Dogs vibe of where the, the title screens come up. Absolutely. Like uh, Wes Anderson is definitely one of their, yeah, you're one of their really good inspiration. And then especially I, I think in a way because like his um, composition is very constrained. Like you can tell the his intention. But I definitely very inspired by someone like Po Chanuk or like uh, some Korean director who have like crazy framing or like the lighting part of it is from like awesome wells, like how he used just the lighting to craft out the scene and then the rest of like, you know, it's almost like a painting with like negative negative space and something like that. And then, yeah, I definitely love this kind of like a very constrained and type of like framing. Yeah. Just got a frame paused here on the uh, title screen where it says Immortality Peak. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the design. Yeah. Uh, everything about it. Just, 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 uh, <laughs> like the... you know, obviously your own, but I just, I can yeah, see yeah, yeah. bits of, of sort of inspiration from things like that. That's cool. Thank you so much. I mean, like I always approach like a cinema, like a fan, you know. Like I, I, I yeah. learned so much from those people and then you, you, you mix it together and then like you can do your own dish in a way and then it's really awesome. And eventually when uh, when someone said that like, oh, is that your film is inspired from this? And I was like, you know what? I'm a huge fan. And eventually just two fans talking about the director or like filmmaker that we really like. And then it's always awesome. What was the trickiest shot and what was the absolute headaches when creating this piece? Oh my god, uh, the, the trickiest shot. The trickiest shot is all the bondage part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because oh, like... Oh, that's the exact, exact one I've got on at the at the moment. Really? Which one? That. Um, with the all the red ropes sort of tying everybody up. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, because like the rope part, like I cannot cheat it. They are moving. So I have to like do that. <laughs> like, like it's not something that I can cheat with just like in mapping or like camera tracking. Another one is the, there's a shot. It's like when the camera zoom out, zoom out, zoom out. And then there's like, uh, you know, the temple with different kind of sculpture who like uh, with their, you know, the, the, the bondage on them. I think it's like before a bunch of people got bowed on the, on the ground. 
that one again is something that I cannot cheat. I thought I can cheat, but actually, absolutely not. <laughs> and then, were, um, were there a ways that you thought of like, this is going to be a bit tricky? What other ways can I do it without doing it? Yeah, or was that like I've got to I've got to face the music here. I've got to do it. You, you know? got to face the music. Yeah, I, like um, first like there's a lot of like uh, because at the beginning I thought I can just like make a stand stand in of stuff, and then later I realized when I drag the camera, if I really want to make it horrible and impressive, there still have a lot of like perspective in it, but at the same time there's still a lot of rope around it. So I was like, wow. <laughs> and again, because the camera is like doing that, so I cannot cheat it. A lot of render here is like, I absolutely cheat them. Like maybe it's just like a few frame and I repeat them or something. But like this one, because it's really a full camera movement and uh, I have to like render them all. And then, so that was, uh, I think that is the hardest part, but I really love the results of it. And uh, yeah. Worth the pain. Yeah, worth the pain, so yeah. <laughs> We've talked about earlier about learning every project you sort of learn and then improve and take it to the next project. What was the biggest thing that, that you learned from doing this type of project and this project in particular? Because like in 3D, there's so many steps in it. So you can easily suck into just like unwrapping the perfect UV and then eventually unwrap it. And you realize like, you know what, like you're you don't even see it. You don't even it. see don't even it, man. <laughs> like, or you turn it, but eventually you want to do some kind of like, you know, focus, uh, like a miniature look. But so that means like some kind of place you didn't even see it or like, uh, but like when, once you do the lighting, you, you do the, all the compositing part of it and then you kind of know what you need to do. So that's somehow actually save you so much time. That's also the worst way to learn and also best way to learn because if you want to know the pipeline correctly, you do everything perfectly, but if you have all the time in your world, but I personally always feel like you should do stuff that in the fastest way possible because you always do shit at the beginning. So why not you just like pump out all the shit stuff and then you finally- All the yeah, shit stuff. All the yeah, shitty absolutely. stuff. And then you, get, you finally get the good one. And I think this mentality really execute well, well in this project, especially it's a such short period of time. And, um, and then the second part for personal note is like when you're working in one thing and then you just really tunnel vision it is not a good thing mental health wise and also the body wise it really take a toll off you and then so like the more i work the more i need to do sports and then i always like save time like have time in the, the harder that i work the harder i would just like go to the gym and i just work out and sweat it out and because otherwise like um you know when you work in animation even though it's perfect because like nobody um like uh disturb you and there's no like a physical environment or something, but it's definitely not good for mental health. And uh, that's something that I learned a lot in this project too. You know, especially with people working on personal projects or big yeah, projects, yeah. it takes a toll phys physically, mentally, and how important it is to look after yourself yeah, yeah. Um, as number one yeah, first, yeah. because we hear so many stories of people burnout and you know, affecting them mentally and they crash. And it's a really, you know, it's a really serious sort of side of the industry. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's great to highlight yeah. it and talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The funny thing is like, the more I work in this industry, the more I think artists and athlete is very similar. The way we have to deal with, like you are as good as your last season. 
<laughs> like, each film is that's true yeah absolutely. and then like i because i always like i love to watch like a sports documentary and stuff like that and i don't know why i always like very drag into that world no matter it's about an athlete who fell or the athlete who succeed it, there's only like the hero story or like a like a drama story and then uh because later i realized because the the work that i do i definitely feel like I'm, a, I'm an athlete i'm like there's a sportsmanship in it maybe sometime is uh sing, like a, just a one person sport like swimming maybe sometime when you're in a studio work or project is a basketball you have to game it out and then uh the thing is filmmaking in a way is very cruel it's like you either you make it something that you really like it but also something that you can communicate to inspire people or like inspire people like or share your message to other people like just like athlete who win the game they win it and then but you kind of see the behind the scene how he trained it and to go there and then suddenly next season maybe he cannot win it it is just sportsmanship you know it's just the way it is and just like you know filmmaking you can make a really good film you can make a really bad one but you like it constantly you have to remind yourself i like it but now it's my job how can i balance it or like yeah I, i'm sure everybody who play basketball love it and then but when you actually are athlete a professional one you have to you, you there's a competition with other people but also yourself how can you remind yourself to love it i think that's one of the reason why i feel sport can definitely help me to release my stress in my in the artistic career of it have you seen the michael jordan um, documentary of the last dance Dude, of course i see it <laughs> that is insane isn't it absolutely that's insane. crazy just last last two weeks i was just talking about it with like someone in festival it was so good what about advice for people getting into the industry? Okay, two things. The first thing is uh, I I still thinking about if I am I I'm I'm a director definitely, but am I the director? Like I I still thinking like thinking about this term because um actually I arrived in this uh role in a very pragmatic way. I know at, like when I was in school I need money to. <laughs> to pay for school and my like living and then i realized like um that's the like getting a project yourself and doing it freelance is the best way to to do it and i already have so many free computers it's awesome you know why not i just started it so you know you you start you have your own team and then you do the stuff and you get your project and you try to manage it a little bit and then it's later my friend tell me like yo you you, you actually want to be a director you are doing direct director actually and then I was like, oh, seriously? Oh, yeah, it's true. That's what we're doing right now. And then so actually for me, being a director, it just I just didn't stop. <laughs> so I just continued doing it. And then uh, so I just didn't even realize, like, actually I'm doing that. Like, I think it's a little bit different from maybe I have other peers. They tell me ever since they are a kid, they want to be a director. And then I just didn't, I, I don't know. I, I I didn't think about like oh ever since I was a kid I was like that I have don't I don't have the status quo or like a preconception of what it is until and I do it and I realize it is what mm. it is. So you were just naturally doing it and other people recognized like you're doing directing it. Yeah, and also I think it's kind of I'm really lucky in a sense that at the beginning like my first shot when I was creating at school is already in festival, and then like I get to go to the festival see how other director is doing. And then again, I like the I like to reverse engineering stuff. So when I see someone's uh, path and how they work on it, and I just kind of I want to learn it and then try to do it on my own, like this, something like that. I think one of the biggest advice I don't think it's just for the director. 
maybe you just don't necessarily want to tell a story or whatever. But like, I think creating your own stuff outside your career is definitely the most important. I think your portfolio is your best currency. Um, you don't even need to say anything about yourself or whatever, and then people see it, they know who you are. And so because Louis Shoes, uh, we got the student Oscar, and then it was awesome. But like, again, after I have the award, I definitely think that like, um, seriously, is that really, am I really deserve to have it? So immediately, I just like want to do Mangle Cult. I just want to see if I can actually do a short film on my own. Like, it's a, like a, a thing, you know? You just do your own stuff and you try to find your own voice and your own language. And I've worked for Vogue and then I work for Tech Talk and then I work for this thing and that thing and now I'm doing 2D and then like later, maybe next next thing I do another stuff. And I think that's the best way to reinvent yourself so that you don't actually only trap in one thing. And eventually it's definitely, even though you love that thing, you 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 will, you will burn out or you will just don't know what you're doing. Imagine you do basketball like a thousand times. You don't know what you are anymore. Eventually you define by, you define it by if you can win the season, which is kind of sad. No, that's great. That's a great piece of advice. We've got an, a previous episode. You may have, may or might, may not have seen it. It's kind of that 2D sort of style, um, After Effects. Uh, it's called My Year of Dicks. It was a short. Yeah, absolutely. Big... Yeah, I watched that one too. It is absolutely awesome. I, I really like, especially the way she worked and I really resonate for it, from it. And then also the festival and and uh, actually I know uh, Ben Noir, like when she talked about the Oscar campaign, because like, oh, okay. uh, Ashley is someone who is from my school before. And then after the student Oscar thing, we did the campaign together too. And that's another side to see the business and everything. And uh, but so I actually absolutely resonate from this uh, episode. It's really great. What was it like seeing your work at a festival, going to the event? Any fun stories? I'm pretty harsh on myself. So like when I go see the like all my film in a really big screen, all I can see you sit there like this, is like, oh yeah, it. oh my god, everybody no, I'm a fraud. <laughs> you know, I'm an imposter. I knew it. You know, you see you, all the you problems. actually see all the little things that nobody else sees, and you kind of go, yeah, oh, yeah. that rend. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. yeah. You can hear, like for example, like in the cinema place, it's like a pro professional sound system thing. But you deep down, you know, I do the sound on my own, and it's actually <laughs> like, oh no, it's horrible. First is I'm at, what deep down I'm really proud that I can see it on big screen and then and the thing is you can directly talk to the audience, uh, what they feel about it. I actually met a lot of like Chinese or Asian uh, filmmaker. They tell me like they have no idea that happened. Uh, the mango thing is is the thing at the time. And then I was like, yeah, it's crazy. And then we talk about our our journey. And then it I for me when I make this film go to the festival. Actually, it's not really just to see my film. Most of the time is I just want to go there for free. <laughs> yeah, hell yes. Yeah, and then hell like, yeah. Who doesn't? That's, that's the real reason. That's the and real, then that's to the real actually reason. meet different kind of people there. <laughs> and then like you feel legitimized and or like you, you feel proper to talk with those people. Another cool thing about in Festival is like how people are super famous. But they just don't like, especially in animation, man. Like they, you cannot see their face most of the time, so they just chill as hell. And then actually stress me out a little bit because it happens so many times that I talk to that person, and that person is just like, you know, oh, actually, uh, it's an industry giant or something. <laughs> and I always like make a metaphor. It's like when I go to a festival, it's like you know, in those like old kung fu movie, like you arrive in front of a temple, and there's like an old guy swiping the floor. And then later you realize this is a Kung Fu master, but you have no idea. 
It's just really, really interesting the the perspectives that you've experienced festivals that where where it all started, where it inspired you to get into the industry. You know, a volunteering, and now look, yeah, you know, it's gone full yeah. round and then full circle. And I love full circle. You know, would you ever go back to volunteering? Like, you know, that's that. You, uh, yeah, I got through that. <laughs> like you've just mentioned that sort of old guy, sort of at the temple, the unsuspecting guy, <laughs> the kung fu master. <laughs> I, I love. <laughs> Yeah, that would be funny. But the thing is, what what is interesting is like, it's like an imposter syndrome that never shake it off. Even though you are, no matter you're a volunteer or you're a student or you're a filmmaker. Like, so at the beginning, I just don't feel like um, I'm actually in this world. So I just try to talk to people and just see what they're doing just out of curiosity. And uh, that's how I uh, deal with my imposter syndrome, even though I'm outside of business. But the fact is, I'm inside a business, I'm still doing the same thing. I, I feel like uh, as long as you have the curiosity to share and to talk with other people, to learn from them, or like, you know, I, for me, I always feel like, okay, you feel like an imposter, imposter but that's okay, yeah. you're here to steal shit. <laughs> I'm here Absolutely. to steal all the stuff and uh, I learn it. And then I like, you know, I try to like mix it on my own and stuff like that. So uh, eventually no, no, like nobody cares about like if you're an imposter or not, you just make your own thing. And then, so that's all right. and. I, this time I'm, I come here as a director, but maybe the next time I come here is in completely another identity. But I know that it's still my way to navigate the scene, even though like no matter I talk to people who is like uh, my idol or I talk to people who who is a student who, you know. No, that's 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 great. It's funny that you say steal things because I think really everybody that's making anything, when, when you're sitting with a director and they go, oh, you know what, this shot, I want it to just look like that shot from Blade Runner or, you know, and then it, then it starts that kind yeah. of you looking at it for reference. Um, so it's always, everything's borrowed oh, and yeah, passed absolutely. around and changed and tweaked to make it their own. But Yeah. So like sometime when I watch a film, I will go back and then I will try to draw the storyboard of it to see how they exactly do it to make me have this emotion, which is like a very classic practice. And then um, the thing is, like sometimes you watch a really good film like this film, and uh, you know, you, you, you kind of want to, like, like you watch it, you suck in in the story, but at the same time, you kind of watch it with another perspective. Like, let me see how you do it. But the film is so good that you completely forgot about the reference. You completely forgot about, like, the, the code of it. You just watch the film like this. And then I'm sure later, a lot of people, they were going to go back to the film to see all the reference. But when the filmmaker is really great, you completely forgot about how that person steal it. You just... Yeah, you just go for it. And then I think, I hope one day I can do that. I hope one day like I, I have like a lot of tools in my back and I, I steal so many people's stuff. But like at the end, I can mix them together and then people just forgot to ask like, what is my reference or how I made it. That has been an incredible chat and I, and I just want to thank you so much for your time, um, Kayu. Quick one, are you watching anything really cool on the TV at the minute that you can recommend? Beef on Netflix. What's that one? Beef. V-E-E-F, from Ali Wong. No, I've not seen that. This is why I ask, because um, a lot of the times with recommendations, I just make notes go, that's a good one. I'm going to go add that to the list to watch. So it's like an almost full Asian cast. Mm -hmm. I really like Ali Wong, and I love her humor. She's a really famous stand-up comedian who is like crazy and demonic. And then she just put this demonic energy in the show. And the fact is, um, there's definitely a lot of mixed genre in it. But uh, also, I rarely these days watch a show that I 
like I cannot tell what is their narrative、uh, line out of it, and it says so many things that's really touch. I'm sure a lot of people right now. It is definitely the voice of our time and also the struggle of this generation, but in an extremely creative way. And also, sometimes you watch this kind of show, it's just like there's something horrible in your mind that you don't want to talk about it. Did this kind of show just tell it for you, and but allocate it and in a better way, and then you just feel grateful. The oh, thank you, finally someone say it, you know. So that is this show. I'll add it to the list to check out. Thank you, Kyo. Um, oh, thank you so much. Rest of the day, what's what's planned? You back to work or you? Yeah, actually,、uh, these day、uh, I just come back from this festival, and then I I had a cold, so I'm kind of recovering、oh, from、really? it. Actually, I、uh, yeah, I have some like personal project that I want to do immediately because that's a good thing from the festival is like you see so many people and they、yeah. really get inspired, and and also you kind of do some kind of report on yourself what you're good at and not sure, good at, sure, yeah, and you try to you know you know do it again, you know. Whatever your project you're working on, I mean, we'd love to see it in the future. We'll check back Thank in. Thank you so much.、Um, yeah, and yeah, please stay in touch because it's been it's been great to to chat with you, Kaya. Thank you so much.、Yeah. That's so awesome.、Pleasure. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, thank, thank you, Kyo, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. Remember to check out our other episodes available, or check out the podcast in video form on our YouTube. Again, please drop us a rating and review. See you next time. The VFX process: getting intimate with your industry. Brought to you by Big Two Studios.